0: Welcome to Insights, an Amplify original series giving you insights on cultural myths, employee engagement, and why it all matters.
1: There's so much of a fight around attraction and retention, and what does it take to really have satisfied and engaged employees? And within that, you have all of these subsidiary offerings that employers are trying, whether that is kombucha on tap or ping pong tables in the workplace, or unlimited paid time off. Um, And within those offerings, some of them are really good, and I think that they are um, moving the needle. One of the ones that feels cringeworthy to me, not because I think it's unimportant, but because I think it is... um, Is being used by so many different people to validate their offering is what is employee wellness? Um, You'll see that all over the place. Uh, This is helping promote employee wellness, whether that is a gym membership or um, being able to wear jeans on Friday. Everybody wants a piece of that uh, wellness part of the pie. And I think it can be overused.
2: Ah,
0: yes. Employee wellness kombucha, ping pong, gym memberships, we've all heard the benefits, right? That was Liesl Mertes, founder of Handle With Care HR Solutions and a workplace empathy consultant. As someone whose passion is getting to the root of what it means to create a work environment where employees thrive, Liesl is as familiar as anyone with employee wellness as a buzzword. She is driven to go deeper than surface-level benefits, She's interested in understanding what wellness looks like when life gets hard. How do employers react when their employees need more than a relaxed dress code or free drinks?
1: I think employee wellness at its best means employees thriving and flourishing in the work that they're doing. And that, that really is a holistic picture of health. So I understand how people are using it a lot. As it relates to specifically the work I'm doing, um, I'm looking to help managers respond better to employees in the midst of disruptive life events. Disruptive life events are there's moments in an employee's life journey um, that really do threaten their thriving and their wellness. That could be a divorce or a diagnosis of a loved one um, returning to work postpartum or relocating. These moments where an employee is saying, I don't feel like I'm thriving. I feel like I'm really struggling right now. And giving managers the tools um, to really be supportive, to help employees survive, stabilize, and then thrive in the aftermath of those challenges. So in some ways, even though I think that wellness is um, really overused and under understood, part of what I'm
0: doing does fit within um, kind of that wellness thriving rubric. No one can plan for disruptive life events, but managers and company leaders can plan for how they react when those situations arise. The problem is most companies don't think that way and are ill-equipped to display empathy in the moment.
1: Oftentimes, these managers feel totally overwhelmed and under-equipped in how to help this employee. They find themselves either thinking, man, I don't want to make this situation worse. I'm not going to say anything. Or they find themselves passing along as I was talking with them, um, you know, some cliche that somebody told them 10 years ago and hoping that that will stick or be helpful. And for all the things in business that we put numbers to, that we measure, that we want to see if we're doing well, oftentimes this lack of support or support within organizations is just being done in an ad hoc manner based on
0: like the inherent emotional intelligence of a given manager. So how is it that we've resorted to tired cliches, unhelpful words, or even worse, no response at all? How have we misinterpreted the meaning of wellness and what truly impacts an employee to feel engaged? As Santiago shares, the true desires of employees are straightforward. It all starts with authenticity and the display of leadership values in the moments when they're needed most.
2: So the good part is that uh, industrial organizational psychologists have studied employee engagement for about 20 years now, roughly, and they've actually measured it and understood academically, rigorously, statistically, what actually drives employee engagement, what are the antecedents, what needs to be there in an organization in an environment uh, for people to be engaged. Things like, and by the way, you have uh, this list in the back of your personal action summary and definitions to each one of these drivers, so I won't define them for you. I just lost half of you for like five minutes, so go ahead and read it and then we'll get back. So things like role clarity, right? Do I understand what my job is? Where does it start? Where does it end? How do I get measured for success? Right, super basic. Your relationship with your manager, how many of you think that affects engagement, right? People join companies, leave managers. Uh, Things like the purpose of the organization, something more than just making a profit. Things like authenticity uh, of leadership, uh, shared values, etc. These are the things that drive engagement.
0: Santiago's observations and concerns mirror those of Liesel's. In the race to attract, engage, and retain employees at a higher rate, company leaders default to a quick list of items and activities that sound great on the surface, but prove little value on the human level.
2: When I ask most uh, uh, CEOs or HR leaders, "Hey, what are you doing in terms of employee engagement? I, I don't get too highly convicted, sort of, this is the number one and number two things that we're doing in the next 30 days in these departments, in these areas, and here's how we're going to measure success. And most of the time, I don't get that. I get a list of activities which is, oh, we just got pet insurance, we're letting millennials wear jeans at the office, uh, we're letting people do remote work sometimes as long as they like, give an update every two minutes what they're doing, right? And just like a long list of, of benefits, of comfortable sort of things that we throw at them to see if maybe that'll make a difference. And the list, by the way, there's a perk war going on. There's four-star meals and massages at work and included dry cleaning. How do we compete with that? How do we know which one of those to do or not? to be strategic and figure out what are the couple things that really, really matter. And I think why that's hard is we don't really have a lot of data to make strategy decisions. I know that when I don't have data, it's really, really tough to say no to a bunch of good things because I don't know what's the good thing, what's the great thing. What if I'm saying no to a really, really good thing?
0: So, Liesl, these buzzwords and perks create a disconnect between who an employer says they are and what an employee truly experiences. It's a misunderstanding of wellness that can have damaging effects. Buzzwords don't help us get to the root of challenges that employees face. And buzzwords don't help when disruptive life events happen.
1: When buzzwords prove themselves to be empty, it opens up this huge disconnect between what the employees what the employer says they want to be and how employees are actually experiencing the reality on the ground. So buzzwords like wellness, or you see on websites like this is a family culture where we're here for each other. We have unlimited paid time off. We have these quarterly team building sessions. We're, we're here for you. You come and work for us and you're part of our family. How that can feel really toxic is, in in my work, if someone is going through a disruptive life event, and disruptive life events, they compromise your ability to produce or to be present. It's just the reality of it. When something really hard is going on, when you have a child who is going through leukemia, like you're not going to produce in the way that you are. And if in the company's interactions with you, it's all about still making your numbers and your productivity and and granted that's that's the business of business it's important but when it's not couched in a realization of like you're a real person going through something hard let me like recognize that this is difficult let me make accommodations within our team like when you're not actually practicing that empathy what the employee is experiencing is you only care about me as a revenue generating piece in the midst of this moment that's really hard and then they can look at that website about the family culture or think about you know their quarterly team building meetings and they go that doesn't mean anything to me would it? you know in the midst of my manager just riding me so hard to meet my numbers and never asking how i'm doing you know that's where it opens up this huge rift like in the story i shared where people say I can't be a part of this anymore. So I I think we have to be not wary of using buzzwords, but we really need to holistically look at them and say, are we actualizing what we say we are? And in areas where we're not, or we don't know if we are, um, we we wanna investigate that. So what does it mean to investigate?
0: What should we be looking for in order to understand where we're falling short and what our employees really need? For Santiago, it all starts with leadership. Who are they talking to most often, and how does this misinform their interpretation of health of their employees?
2: You'd think that, you know, top-line executives would have some awareness of what's really going on, and it puzzled me why executives didn't figure this out, why, why we couldn't figure it out. And then I looked at our data, right? We've collected over 5 million points of employee feedback from almost 100,000 different people. And we looked at the data, and we split it out by employees and executive leaders, the data on how engaged people are. And here's what we found. Employees, this is their Amplify score, their engagement score over here. Executive leaders, all the way to the right. And guess who the CEO talks to most of the time? Senior leadership. So you get a false sense that the business is doing well, right? How many of you believe that your CEO, or if you're you're not CEO, uh, doesn't know quite how bad it is in the organization? I see some heads nodding. And this is the case. Now, the scary part is when we flip this, we use the same logic, but we flip it. Who are the people, so we all know that customer experience is everything, right? If we deliver great customer experiences and add tons of value, Customers come back to us again and again, they have word of mouth and it spreads and we create a great brand and that's what builds a really great company, right? So customer experience. Who are the folks delivering the customer experience to the customer? The most disengaged people in the organization.
0: And there it is. Instead of making assumptions of what our employees desire from an employer, it starts with having real conversations with our employees in the trenches. Do they feel supported in times of crisis? Do they know they can talk to their managers about what they're going through? For Liesl, it's as simple as asking questions and really listening to the answers. You know, something that I do within my work is to be able to
1: take both surveys that are wide scale, but also qualitative surveys where you ask people, like, you know, do you have someone in your company who's gone through something hard? To really sit down and ask them, like, did you feel supported What were ways that we could have done this better? How did you experience your manager as present or absent? And to whether it's getting an outside person like an empathy consultant to do that or just conducting those conversations, um, getting good data is a great place to start to be able to identify if you're living out your values or if they are just becoming buzzwords that people
0: tune out. To sum it all up, employees aren't likely to turn away the kombucha and ping pong tables. But... Those things aren't directly related to their overall wellness. Ask questions. Empathize with your employees. Seeing them as human during the most difficult times is key to creating a culture that truly values employee wellness and reclaims that term from buzzword status. Next week, we'll tackle another buzzword, feedback. We all want it, right? Well, that depends on what you mean.